1: Today, I am here with Morgan Teachworth. He is VP of Engineering and Supply Chain at Cisco Meraki. And uh, before we jump into today's topic, I will ask Morgan to tell us a bit about himself and what he does.
0: Thank you for having me here today. I'm Morgan, Morgan Teachworth, and I've been with Cisco Meraki since Meraki's beginning in 2006. So I'm the VP of Engineering and Supply Chain Looking after both the hardware development as well as manufacturing, quality, pretty much full life cycle for the physical products that Meraki makes as part of Cisco.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds cool. And what do you do in your free time? Anything to share with your audience?
0: <laughs> well, in my you know in my free time, work keeps me pretty busy. Um, I work on my house. I garden a little bit you know, I work in technology. So when I come home, I want to step back to maybe a, you know, an, an, an older activity, something that's a little bit less wires and electrons and just get my hands dirty.
1: Thank you. That gives us a little bit of insight into into how you are in the world. Today, we have a really exciting topic, uh, building and running teams that prioritize innovation. I think Everybody in this DNA age can relate with, um, you know, just thinking about moving forward all the time and coming up with new ideas. How do you define innovation in, in your daily life?
0: Well, I think it's important to to think about innovation as a spectrum. You know, sometimes when people think about innovation, they're looking for that, like that moonshot, that completely new idea or something that like breaks the mold. And every once in a while, you know, every generation, there are a few of these, but really innovation and building, you know, a team that can focus on it requires us to think about it as small accretive changes. It's doing something new with something you you already have or it's going and finding something new. So it can be, you know it can be a product innovation, a small change generation to generation, or it can be a product market fit or an offering change that like just modifies the way. So you know in general, kind of in a nutshell, it's change, positive change. In either the way we work or the products that we're shipping that's you know driven outside of whatever the core roadmap or core waterfall or like strict definition is. Innovation is always a little bit surprising.
1: Mm, I love that. Uh, do you have that as a, like a core value in your team?
0: I think one of the, one of the core values in our team is simplifying everything. And when you think about simplifying, that, re- that almost requires innovation. So in order for us to serve one of our core purposes or one of our core values, like if you're simplifying the way you work or the, the processes and tasks, but like by definition, you are going to have to change and you're going to have to change in ways that are unexpected, and if you're going out to simplify a product, you're going to make changes to it that make it easier for customers to use or make it more accessible. And you know those are things that are hard to capture in a PRD or a specification doc. But when you sit down, like you can see, oh, this isn't simple. We need to do something here. What might we do? Um, so like the value is really embedded in that idea that we're always asking ourselves that question, you know, how might we or what might we do here that goes beyond the the original box that was drawn for any specific challenge.
1: And so when you when you talk about this in your team, how do you encourage people to take part in this kind of thinking?
0: You have to give space for it and so i think what you want to do is you want to you want to what we do we leave some time in any given forum to sort of like ask the questions that are out of scope you want to take and pull back i don't want to say pull back to first principles but like open up a space for just a little bit of crazy ask a ask a dumb question, ask a silly question. You want to, if you leave a little bit of room for fun in there, you give people the chance to do it. And once an an idea starts, you really want to lean into the, well, can we test that? Can we try that? Right? You can have a hundred ideas, but if you don't try any of them, innovation is not going to happen. So, you know, creating either you know, lab space for free work or time in folks' schedules, or even if it's a large enough idea, having a pool of, you know, easy, easily accessible funding that people can use to go try something out. Sometimes, you know, the block to innovation in some organizations is, oh, I just, I can't even afford one more proto. Like every coffee bean has to be accounted for. So I can't go and try and make a new drink, you know. But if you... If you just loosen things up a little bit, and that requires sort of managing a little bit of slop in the organization, hmm. you'll find that a lot of creativity happens in that open space, in that white space that you provide.
1: This even sounds like um, this is embedded in the company. It like has to be encouraged company-wide so that people can take advantage of that little slack, as you said
0: it has to be encouraged company-wide, and it has to go beyond the management pushdown, right? Mm-hmm. Like, managers can sit up on the stage in a panel and talk about innovation. They can say, we believe in it. We want to see it done. But at the end of the day, it's the team itself, the members of the team that like recognize when somebody has a good idea, or they show some appreciation for an experiment, whether it's a successful experiment or a failure, they, you know, they celebrate each other as employees and individuals. And, you know, this isn't even formal recognition. It's not like we're giving each other certificates or giving each other cash awards, but just giving each other, I think, attention, It, it validates the culture of experimentation, Um, That, you have to, you know, you have to do the next level of that as a leader and, you know, maybe formally recognize or call out in a meeting, an experiment, like I said, uh, good or bad, pass or fail, sometimes. But if you want a culture of innovation, you can't rely that, like, the leadership is going to see every little thing that's tried and recognize it like we can see a few and we can recognize a few and that sets the temperature but in order for it to really be the air that the team lives and breathes they have to recognize it and value it in each other so mm-hmm. it's driving you know the the space for innovation the culture for innovation but it's also just a cultural value of appreciation for each other and consideration mm-hmm. for people's time and effort in things that are strictly tied to some KPI and organizational goal, but also the things that absolutely aren't, right? And you know, like innovation in a technical space comes from all sorts of interesting places. It comes from people's backgrounds, it comes from people's hobbies, it comes from other industries that they've worked in. So like being open to and appreciating these things that like don't fit exactly into the story um, is super important, just as a cultural element. And it leads naturally to an ability to innovate and foster innovation in the organization. Mm -hmm.
1: I love that. Um, You mentioned some um, maybe, not really rituals, but like habits of leaders, you know, of recognizing each other's innovative ideas or their effort put towards innovation. Do you have some processes or rituals that are... Maybe easier to implement for some of our listeners that they can uh, mm-hmm. put to use right away.
0: So one of the things that what we do is so we call a like a program that's been started purely for innovation a black op. something that's not funded. it's not like formally across the entire organization. It's kind of core to our team. And we have a little council that reviews basically applications to initiate and fund one of these experiments and the app sort of the applications or the chance to sit with a couple of leaders and present to that it's available to everyone it's really easy it's like a google form that they can put in and what we find is that not every little innovation in the organization like needs to come to this to this council that needs to come to this decision that like not every idea is a great idea, but everyone knows that a good idea that's got a little bit of purchase that has some support in the org can go and become an actual experiment that we're going to see through to some milestone. So when people are working together, you know, they have the ritual of thinking, "Hey, is this idea like is it good enough? Have we done enough work on it? Are we ready to take this up to, you know, the monthly or quarterly review?" It's and and, and that's a process. You know, you that's some some airtime. You get to sit sit on the stage for a minute. You have to Organize all of the scattered work you've done into a, you know, a pitch. It's it's a it's a VC pitch. It's an elevator pitch. And the fact that we have this flow, you have the tiny innovations that may or may not make it, and that there's a process for funneling them up to full legitimization. That's always in everybody's mind. And I think any organization can create something, you know, similar to that if you have any time at all to spend reviewing innovation, and people know how to do it, and the barrier to entry is not high, it's going to be a focus when they're working on their own, or when they're working with their peers, they know what the next step is. And they're not afraid that what they're working on is going to get lost.
1: It sounds like a very holistic approach to to innovation. I love the process of this, maybe, to me, it sounds like an iterative process where As you put in more work, you know what the next steps are and you can check back and uh, see how your last pitch went. How do you build teams that are of this mindset? Uh, What are some qualities that you look for in people? Or do you not put this into the hiring expectations at all and say you teach this to people?
0: I think you can you can teach it to anybody. So you don't have to hire it in on every single hire. One thing that you, you want to look for as you're building organization is people who have energy. I, I often observe it in an interview as kind of a restless energy and a curiosity that goes beyond what their core job is to how it's done or how the next team over does its work. Because a lot of the innovation that we see, like it falls in the cracks between the areas of the company that are extremely well-organized. So if you hire folks in who have a little bit of restlessness and curiosity, they're going to start to drive and ask the questions. But if everyone you hire, if every absolutely every person that you hire in has this in buckets, then you have a whole team of chaos that's bouncing around, like curious about everything, but not really focused. So it's important to have a mix. If you have none of it, it's gonna be a problem. And if you have everything, it's gonna be a problem. When you have a mix, you can take folks who aren't naturally bent this way. And I don't wanna say train, but basically like encourage or like show them that those behaviors are appreciated and that there's a space for them to participate in it, right? It's like, you. I think of these folks as sort of shy to the innovation table. They still want to be there, but they're a little bit shy. So it's important to have a few folks who are just, you know, they jump into the water, they look, and then they jump, and they tend to bring the rest of the team along, along with them. The You know the the danger, the dark side of the coin of a a very very innovative organization is people can get over focused on innovation to the detriment of like the core work that actually has to be done. And if the core work starts to suffer, then leadership has to like pull back on innovation, and that can. You know, that you can very, very easy to overcorrect. So, you know, it's important to run at a, a healthy level and a healthy level of interest. If you have so much innovation that it's exploding, right? You've got weeds growing everywhere. Maybe you need to cut it out and make a, you know, a, a R&D org or a separate mm-hmm. org that's focused. You know, you see this a lot in like CTO special technology organizations, but that's the the end state of maybe a little bit too much but even then you're back to trying to maintain a modest amount in every organization because you don't want to segment innovation away to you know one special place where it has to go so you just you have to be really careful about that that mean
1: right do you mind if we dig in a little more as to as to how do you make sure that innovation is a priority but it doesn't go above the importance of uh, the daily work, what are some of your, I guess, expectation management techniques for for your team?
0: The boring part of running a team that's innovative is the check-ins on just the normal work. Like, is the normal flow getting done? Are we hitting our requirements and are we hitting our milestones? On a product or a process, like if you've layered exciting innovation on it, but you know that car does not drive you haven't actually succeeded at your mission so like it's it's core to repeating in your your touch points or repeating in the way that you measure progress that there's a high bar which is success and then there's innovation which is which is done on top of that next to that it's Sometimes what what you get is you get a request to to do, or you get an innovation that's, that's aimed at a core feature or product. And you say, well, this seems like a good idea, let's try it. And it comes back later and they're like, well, we can't deliver on the project we're too busy working on this innovation or like the innovate. It's so close. This new thing we want to try, like we need to delay three months, six months just to like try and finish this part. And you say, guys, like, no, like we needed to keep, we needed to keep a healthy gulf between like the goals and the innovation. And like, you can catch the innovation on the next spin. You can catch this on the next cycle. You had a chance. And so what we have when we, um, when we legitimize a project as, as a specific proof of concept or specifically an innovation concept is we set, one, we set a budget, You know what we're able to spend on it. And then we also set at the beginning what I call the um, win, lose, or stop conditions and the idea here is at some point you've you've won the innovation like you've rolled it in or you've proven it's possible you've you've built your proof of concept you've successfully got it in boom you win like great there's lose like at some point maybe you tried and you failed and you you have evidence of failure or you had a certain amount of time but you failed. I'm sorry. It was a good try. We can talk about trying again. But what's really important is the stop condition. The stop condition is where, well, you haven't won and you haven't lost. You're kind of in limbo, but team, you need to stop. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's important for us to put this one back on the shelf finish our work or move on to the next thing we need to do. And you can come back to it as is, but for now, like it, it's just, it's not going to make it in this release. I think in software organizations, this is an agile software development. This is done very easily. It's like, oh, we'll put it in the next sprint, right? With hardware development, the cycles can be really long. Lo- missing an opportunity means you're going to wait potentially years, before you see this roll in or, you know, with a process and tool development, same years because you've, you've missed it. So it hurts. And it's really tempting to like break your rules that you set for yourself on that stop condition. You have to resist, like you have to resist, you have to hold yourself to accountable to when is the right time to like, put this one back, maybe come back to it later, but focus and shift.
1: And I am pretty sure that's what great leaders are for. So they so know when to stop and
0: it's so painful to have to enforce that on your team, right? Like I mean the dream the dream is you set these conditions, the team is so self-aware that they see it and they do the right thing. But you're right. Sometimes leadership has to come in and like you got sometimes you feel like a real jerk. You're like, Oh, you're so close, but you didn't make it Oh, you know. But that's the job, right? And people are going to grumble about it and say you're a punk. And, like, if only, if only Morgan had let me do just one more week, we would have got it. Yeah, I know. I know. Sorry sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, important, it's important to recognize that al- the almost wins. Like, of course, when you have a win, you're like, yes, we did it. And when you have a fail, you're like, we're going to recognize this fail and, like, Good try, everybody. But the stop is just important. It's like we got real close. We're going to come back to it. I promise. It's not. It's still a good idea. We're still close. Like, I just, we just need the space. We're going to maybe even treat it like a win, right? Yeah, like, throw a stop party. I don't know. It. it it's important. A lot of the times, the, the stop conditions kind of, they get lost in between the wins and the losses. Mm-hmm. And so it, mm-hmm. it, they're important to have. And it's important not to forget to treat them equally to the the wins and the losses.
1: Right. It almost sounds like a growth mindset sort of activity for me when when you say stuff should be appreciated at some points. That sounds like the effort that people put in but didn't quite bear fruit is also important because the effort is what makes innovation happen when it is successful.
0: Yeah, I Um, love that. I mean, I think everybody everybody thinks of you know the innovation as being just a lot of hard work and like people want to see their hard work come to fruition but it's important to recognize that sometimes hard work is its own reward that's that's like the worst thing a manager can tell somebody don't don't say that to your employees hard work is its own reward in the same way like the reward for hard work is more hard work but in reality especially in unknown and innovation space there is going to be a lot of energy spent on things that don't pan out.
1: Right, right. We kind of have been uh, touching on this point a little bit, Mm, but I am going on the measurement side. We have specifically said, you know, there should be a point when something is unsuccessful and when something has reached its success and somewhere in the middle as well. How can you measure how innovative a team might be or can you measure how innovative a team is
0: it's hard to measure innovation it's like trying to measure creativity i think from a, a pure administrative point of view if you're setting money aside for innovation and it's not getting spent then you can say well maybe we could turn it up. Like we've got space to turn it up, but it doesn't mean you don't have innovation. It just means they're doing it cheaply. I don't know, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's an indication in the same way. I think, you know, it's, it's a very qualitative measurement. If you want to take the temperature of how much innovation is happening in a team, you really have to look at what kinds of questions are they asking, right? Are they asking questions and and you can you have to measure this across a lot of different forums in your AMAs in your you know one on ones career convert like in in conversations in peer reviews, do you overall have a culture of curiosity? If you don't think you do, then likely you haven't fostered a culture that has innovation. But how are you actually like measuring innovation versus creativity? How do you, it's like how do you measure fun? You kind of you know it when you see it. So I do, I would be open to, you know, measurements, honest metrics for innovation. Um, I'm always looking for that. It's tough to do. Once you start to measure innovation, people start to game for innovation. Like they start to game for the measurement system Mm -hmm. um, or game for rewards that are tied to a measurement system. You know, you become with any KPI, like a company becomes what it measures. So Of course, we want to measure innovation, but because then we will become innovative. But the fact is, is when you put structure, the more and more structure you put around on it, the more it becomes work, the regular flow. Right. And the harder it is to keep it in that free space that goes beyond what your deliverables are. Once you measure it, you have a deliverable attached to it. And then, oh my goodness, like it, it, it it defeats t- the purpose it's t- yes it kind of it defeats the purpose or it it kind of it, it sours the party it's like walking around a party and asking everybody to take a survey about how fun the party is like yeah <laughs> killer right
1: i love that i think i might do that uh, at my next birthday um <laughs> That's cool to all of our listeners and watchers. I think this is a perfect place to say, if you have any measurements for innovation that have worked for you, then go ahead and reach out to Level Up Engineering on Twitter and say so. And we will make sure that uh, your highlights get highlighted even more. Okay, moving on. Are there any common mistakes that you have seen when it comes to innovation? You... Already pointed out that sometimes it's hard to stop when you are so close. Mm -hmm. What are some other things that people leaders should watch out for?
0: I work with an engineering team. And one of the things that I find engineering teams love is just pure technology. There is a new technology, a new standard, a new function that you can roll into a product. And there's, there's always a bunch and you just have a team that wants to cram so much in. You want to just, you want a new button for everything. You want a new function for everything. And this, this is the, the question, like, just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? but an engineering team is just so good at convincing itself that there's a should like rationalizing why we need to do this high technology innovation. Um, It's easy. It's, it's, it's too much. And at the end of the day, like I've seen products that could be very simple, you know, imagine your old digital camera, some of them, you have a button, you press the button, it takes a picture. And others, you have a hundred buttons on the back, change the settings, do this, you pick it up and you're like, I don't know how to take a picture. Like, or, you know, when, when phones first got smart, people were like, I just need this to make a phone call and I can't even find the call button, right? Now over time, you innovate away the extra cruft that makes it a bad product. But in the innovation cycle, there's a strong possibility for an engineering team to just try and cram too much in that they love. That's not necessarily going to be something that the market loves, that the customer loves, or that a customer even knows how to use. I think I we've, anybody who's been in product design has designed like a piece of a product and you pick it up and you're like, this is very simple. You just do this and it's perfect. And then you hand it to somebody and they're like, Wait, what? Nope, I I can't use I'm not interested. And you're like, "No, it's really easy." Just like that. It's done. Teams do that. Like they 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 get in a kind of a bubble. They make something that's perfect for them but not necessarily perfect for the outside and it's innovation, but it's not innovation that turns into a truly innovative offering. I think that tendency is probably one of the most counterproductive that I've seen in engineering team innovations. I
1: think that's a really great example and very eye-opening if some people are right now in the process of trying to innovate more in their teams. Do you have some practices that you can share with us to to maybe counter this bubbling effect? What for example if you if you do anything with your teams?
0: So in any small group that's working on a product. The engineers are going crazy. You just need to bring in anyone from outside. It doesn't have to be a customer test. It just has to be a like a different group brings in a, a, someone to participate in the process, someone level-headed out of any non-technical organization to sit and like look at what's happening and call it out and be like, all right, folks, we're being dumb here. This has gone too far, I, and it's really hard. Engineering managers are bad at making this call, right? They're just as excited as their team about it. Really having a functionally diverse group of people working on that early on before it, before it goes too far tends to pull back on that mistake in, in a pretty legitimate way.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think I think we can definitely use that with, uh, with our teams. We are um, almost out of our time. So perhaps share a story of building an innovation-centered team, perhaps from scratch or from a team that hasn't been so innovative. How how did you get started? What were some of your first steps?
0: You know, for that one, I'll go back to the very, very early days of Meraki or any of the times when I've been on a really, really small team People think of innovation as something that's done inside a company or inside a community that's built within a company. But when you're just starting to build a team, when it's small, you don't have the ecosystem for that. You have a couple of folks. They have a ton of curiosity. They have ideas that they want to try. They want to own these ideas and they want to do it. And in a bigger company, it would be, you know, you'd bring in some resources, you'd, you'd start filing patents right away. But when you're really small, you your team is bigger than just the company. It is your partners that you work with. It's your vendor community. It's friends, people that don't work with you, but like just others. And that means that some of those early ideas or some of that early fostering of innovation are not going to be easy to protect. They might be fantastic IP, but they're never going to see the light of day if you aren't willing to, you know, involve other groups. And so early Meraki, I was I was by myself. I was working on a lot of products. Maybe I had a team of one other person in hardware. Like I was working with some of our early small vendors and asking them to put some of their time and energy on the line to pursue these innovations that I wanted to try out and you know i had to pick a, a partner that had an innovative culture so i had to look for that but then once we started to do things together i had to admit that like what we were working on was never going to be wholly owned by me that like we were creating an innovation that in the end at the end of the day was going to contribute to my product but was going to end up being Uh, a gift to the world. It's a very grandiose way to think about it, but whatever we developed was gonna get out there. It was gonna get reused by the vendor, other customer or other competitors might adopt it. And in fact, I saw some of that in the early days, the work that we did on outdoor wireless and some innovation we did on connectors early on. Like I was too small to keep it to myself and it got adopted and spread through the industry. I like to see that as a big company you know you want to lock that down and make some money off of it Um, but i think when you're when you're just starting out um if you don't open up to the broader community you may never be able to get over the get sufficient energy and sort of get over those first early hurdles to be able to start building out a an internal team or like building out an internal culture In many ways, we borrow elements of our culture from the people around us. That is so, so true when you're trying to kick off an organization from scratch.
1: Right. You made me think of a quote from Lao Tzu. I think he says, um, the artist who doesn't keep it to themselves will never lose the art that they made or something like that. If you can get into a little more specifics, how was your first innovative team can you pinpoint it down or was it was it just the the kind of the company culture that
0: you you can recall Mm -hmm. my so the first innovative team out of Meraki was built out of folks who it was their uh, their first startup for a few of them their first or second job It's not necessary to building an innovative team, but for us, it happened naturally because we did not know what was supposed to be impossible. So we would go out to our community and we would ask for things that an experienced engineer would not ask for on a product design. We want to try this. And you'd get a look and they'd be like, that's a really stupid thing to ask for. You'd be like, well, I respect that you think it's a really stupid thing to ask for, but I'd really like to understand why. And then in digging through the why, well, you'd actually find some places where there were some tweaks you could make. Maybe you didn't get everything you wanted, but you got a little bit. So like having that team in the beginning that like didn't know what they weren't supposed to do, that sort of naturally fed into it not all teams can get away with that. Like not all organizations can afford a period of time where like they don't know the limits of their process. Like goodness sakes, go innovate in silicon and ASICs and not know what you're doing and have a terrible time and spend a billion dollars. No, don't do that. Like, but (laughs) I think at the end of the day, part of that curiosity is not knowing what you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. Or even like it's a combination of not knowing what you don't know, like knowing what you don't know, but in all cases, like being willing to ask questions and learn and not to always accept the answer up front the team was young it had a healthy distrust of authority i'm going to say that that like healthy distrust of authority and healthy distrust of like exactly what it says on the spec sheet or the product spec or the program spec like that helps and i think you know in building out a fresh org you can st- you can start with that, or you can you can stir a little bit of that in the pot, and it puts you in a good place to build an innovative culture as you go. I think that's awesome.
1: We have touched on a lot of topics about building an innovative team. For me, the the most important aspects were celebrating the losses and celebrating the wins but also not forgetting to celebrate about the stops and making sure that people expect that they will be stopped at one point if they are unsuccessful and even if they are successful they might be stopped and they might have to get to work uh with that said i think uh, one of the other really important aspect of our conversation was for me to to make sure that people know where the line is between the daily operative work and the innovation that is um, fostered by the culture but um, isn't the actual work that uh, needs to be done. And um, and even though innovation might be a top priority, it shouldn't come before the the work that needs to be done. We also talked about some of the mistakes that might be made and um, i think you're very much on point with um, engineering teams getting really caught up with the newest technology and the shiniest tools they can use and and there i think it's really important for a leader to to make sure that they can be the that safeguard for for the team to to get the work done that needs to be done and also, thank you for sharing your your stories, I think, that highlighted that a mix of people is really nice when it comes to innovation. If you just get, as you said in the beginning, if you just get one sort of person, then it might be a big chaos. <laughs> and if you just get another sort of person, then it might be unable to innovate. So it should be a mix of people, and that will give you the necessary number of perspectives to to innovate and be successful at it. We have covered a lot of ground, as I said. Morgan, do you have anything else that you'd like to
0: add and our listeners to know? I think I'll just cap it off with it's human nature to innovate. In reality, a lot of work goes into a company structure and a system that prevents people from innovating. Let your people be a little bit free like open it up and you will naturally foster innovation in the organization. How awesome.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners get in touch with you or follow your work?
0: The best place is LinkedIn. I'm mthw at LinkedIn, or you can just look me up by name, Morgan Teachworth.
1: Thank you so much, theorists audience of Level Up Engineering. I am so happy that you are here. I am Karolina Toth. And today my guest was Morgan Teachworth, VP of Engineering and Supply Chain at Cisco Meraki. And we've had a quite awesome conversation about building and running teams that prioritize innovation. Please reach out to us if you have any questions or if you have taken some practices and implemented them successfully. I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This
0: was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.